Welcome to episode 19, the history of podcasting, or the history of radio. We're having a bit of technical difficulties. My computer updated in the Windows I'm using is not compatible with my mixing board, apparently. I've spent so much time trying to figure this thing out and still have gotten nowhere. It'll accept everything except my microphone. Anyway, just wanted to let you guys know that, so if it sounds a little off, I apologize. But, nevertheless... Here is episode 19, The History of Radio and Podcasting. Welcome to the Lying Truth Podcast. You can find us on the web at thelyingtruthpodcast.com or on social at lyingtruthpod on Instagram or Twitter. If you like what you hear and you would like to support our show, click on the link in our show notes at Buy Me a Coffee. You can make a one-time donation or become a member. So, guys, you ever hear history repeats itself? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I believe that podcasting is doing just that. Can you okay. imagine? Can you imagine what people must have felt like nineteen thirty, sitting around the radio, listening to stories being told, like the fireside chats with FDR? I mean, sometimes I get really excited just thinking about a new episode of my favorite podcast, and I'll look and I'll go. Man, is it out yet? Is it out yet? Knowing darn good and well, I know that when it's coming out, but I still look anyway. And when it hasn't dropped, I'm like, man, it's not out yet. And sometimes, you know, like we do, we know we're going to drop an episode, you know, every other week or so, and then we don't drop one. And just the disappointment that we find. But, you know, today we got so many choices. I mean, we can listen anytime, anywhere. I don't have to plan my days. I don't have to plan my evenings around a certain time so I can listen to a radio broadcast. And we don't have to do that for television anymore either. No, everything's on demand. Well, I wanted to take a look back at how we've progressed over the years with technology and how that technology has changed and developed our lives. The original term radio only included transmission freely received over the air, such as the AM or FM bands, now commonly called terrestrial radio. However, the term has evolved to more broadly refer to streaming audio services in general, including subscription satellite radio, cable radio, or what we're doing now, internet radio. In 1893, an inventor named Nikolai Tesla made the first public demonstration of radio during a lecture in St. Louis, Missouri. He demonstrated that it was possible to send signals through space using a receiver. He explained the technology we know now as radio. Side note about Tesla. During this time in St. Louis is when he became friends with the one Mr. Mark Twain. Hmm. Tesla's still making cars. That's still old. cutting edge. Still cutting edge. Now, you guys know me. I'm from the South, so I have a little bit of harder time with this next guy's name. In 1897, Guillermo Marconi established a wireless telegraph and signal company. Marconi had filed for patent protection on his radio apparatus in 1896. He was able to send signals four to nine miles using balloons. He'd send his apparatus up using balloons. He could send a signal four to nine miles. It's like yeah. a like an early satellite almost. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he's doing. Marconi continued to achieve greater and greater distances. In 1901, Marconi set the, sent the first transatlantic signal from Ireland to Canada. And in 1902, Marconi patented the magnetic detector, which could be used to detect signals causing a click in the telephone receiver. Marconi 
is commonly credited with inventing the radio. I actually remember that. Wow. So in 1906, I mean, they were going back here, guys. 1906, Reginald Fessenden transmitted the first program of speech and music. In 1910, the first transmission came from an airplane. 1917, what happened in 1917? Anybody know? First World War? Yes, World War One. <laughs> you got it. Great World guess. War One begins, and all radio stations not needed by the federal government are closed. The federal government took over full control of the radio industry. You might want to guess when that ended. Uh, I don't think it has. <laughs> 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 the release of government control ended in 1919. And here's where here's where history is repeating itself. Check this out. In uh, October 17, 1919, a gentleman named Frank Conrad, he was a Westinghouse engineer. He had worked on the radio communication contacts during or contracts during the war. He made the first of what would become a twice weekly program broadcast from his home over an experimental radio station. 1919, this guy's podcast. Yeah, he's got, he's got the first, yeah, the first podcast back in 1919. How about that? That's awesome. Isn't it, isn't it cool? oh, that's very cool. Radio broadcasting became popular in the 1920s on what we now know as the AM broadcast band. FM would not be authorized until 1941. Wow. 1926, the first national network was formed. Want to guess which one it was? NBC. NBC. You are correct. A year later came another. Two for two. You are doing well. Too smart. A year later came another. Which one do you think that was? Uh, I'm going to go with CBS. No, no. You are correct. Really? (laughs) He almost backed out of it. He did. He almost talked himself out of it. He was was correct again. Three for three. Come on. Hey, see. This is why I do good on trivia night because there's just a ton of useless knowledge just rattling around. Yeah, here. stay with that first instinct. Yeah, no man. clue where it, no clue where it comes from. Just spit it out. No, it's right. Oh, cool. CBS is second. CBS is second. The Radio Act of 1927 created the Federal Radio Commission to direct licensed broadcasters and reduce radio interference. Basically, what they wanted to do is they wanted to calm the chaotic airwaves that was going on back in those days. The commission cowboy radio. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was radio that was, I mean, just anybody could broadcast from anywhere, kind of like we're doing today, right? Yeah. The the Communications Act of 1934 established the FCC, Federal Communications Commission. I guess we're all familiar with that. Mm -hmm. The commission was created to regulate non-federal government use of radio spectrum. And this included television and interstate telecommunications. So who do you think was the first to challenge the FCC? Mm. Oh, I'm going yeah. to go out on to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, I have no idea. It was already first. It was already first in one. It's first in the other, NBC. NBC um, challenged the FCC and the U.S. Supreme Court in 1943. NBC believed the FCC had violated their First Amendment rights by placing yep. several rules designed to regulate chain broadcast, known today as network broadcasting. The FCC could not directly regulate radio networks. It directed its rules at the licensing of stations that participated in the activities that the FCC had determined to be contrary to the public interest. Gotcha. So if you're broadcasting content that we don't want you broadcasting as the FCC, 
we don't tell you not to broadcast it. We don't give you a license, which means you don't have access to the radio waves. What do you think the court did? They dismissed NBC's complaint, and here's what they said. Justice Felix Frankfurter, I really like saying Frankfurter. That's a great name. It is, isn't it? And Felix, to beat all. I mean, Felix right. Frankfurter. I mean, that is a great name. Absolutely a great name. And he wrote the majority opinion, rejecting the challenge. He reasoned, the right of free speech does not include, however, the right to use the facilities of a radio without a license. Licensing systems established by Congress in the Communications Act of 1934, which is only nine years earlier, was a proper exercise of its power over commerce. The standard it provided for licensing of stations was the public interest, convenience, or necessity. Denial of a station license on that ground, if valid under the act, is not a denial of free speech. <laughs> so this ruling cleared the way for the FCC to indirectly regulate networks. It's by banning the license to individual stations that contract with networks. Mm -hmm. And if it's not in the best public interest and that the FCC thought it was detrimental, they shut it down. So although it's greatly relaxed today, it's greatly relaxed since the days of NBC versus the FCC. It sounds like right. it, sounds, it sounds like WWE versus WCW, <laughs> like wrestling. We're going to get out wrestling, you know. Cage match. <laughs> it's the cage match. Whoever gets out first. <laughs> the ruling also served as a cornerstone for the FCC's regulation in the areas of the fairness doctrine, equal time, and other content-based restrictions. So I got this information from mtsu.edu. And it also talked about, you know, what, what would that look like for today's radio, internet radio? It originally was intended to do text and graphics, but in the early 1990s, it started transmitting audio. Improved dial-up modems and audio compressors in the 1990s allowed internet radio to be accessed from the average user years, years before video content. Many internet radio offerings are retransmissions of existing AM or FM stations. However, there are examples of internet services, internet-only services. The FCC has some general oversight over the internet, but it has no regulatory authority over these stations. And specifically, let's look at satellite radio. Direct-to-consumer satellite radio broadcast was introduced in the United States in 1997. Although the overall technical operations are licensed by the FCC, Unlike the AM and FM, these stations program content is unregulated. I wonder why though. I mean, what's the what's the difference that allows less regulation over over the internet than I mean, because the concept's still the same. It's still content that's going out, right? And it could be, you know, harmful or whatever that the FCC deems it. So why is it that they get to regulate radio and television as much? but not not the internet it's the same with satellite radio you can say a ton of stuff on satellite radio that you would never get away with on a regular amfm band that's why so many people jumped off of amfm radio and, and jumped onto their own satellite radio station because they could say pretty much whatever they wanted to i wonder if it's subscription based because if you look at it like let's, let's take tv for example netflix you know netflix can do or say whatever they want on, on there, you know, the content they can put right. whatever they want on there. But it's a subscription. You as a as a sub, you as a 
consumer, you purchase a subscription to that service and it's a streaming service that's over the internet. Right. But you think back to the days of HBO on cable. Yeah. And, and that's my thought. I mean, I, I, we subscribed to cable back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right. And you had, a, I mean, at one point we, all we had was, you know, basic cable. You didn't have all the different packages and stuff that you could buy now, but it's still a form of, of a subscription. And I mean, I'm, I'm subscribing to my cable network. Yeah, I guess. I guess you're paying for it. So, you know, you pay for the content that you want. Right. So I, I've always been kind of confused on that. Why satellite radio and, you know, Internet radio can say can say and do stuff that's just off the wall. And, you know, like you were talking about earlier, there's there's really over a million podcasts that you can choose from. There's there's so many out there. Well, good. And, yeah, and and I mean, there's some that I've I've tuned into some that hey, this looks interesting, and after about three minutes, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to listen to this, and and it's my own personal preference, just you know, the language that's used or whatever, and and uh, you know, and I'm not somebody that's proved that says you can't cuss and do this and that and the other, and but when you're you know, for me personally, when you're when you're cussing just for the sake of cussing. Or because your vocabulary is so limited that you can't come up with any other adverbs or adjectives or nouns, then that's just distasteful and boring to me. We'll, we'll um, go over. The, I've got statistics here about podcasts and what it looks like today. Let, let's finish up here. I, I want to go back to a little bit more history of the radio and how we arrived okay. where we are. 1947, the transistor was built. The first working device that was a point contact transistor at Bell Laboratories. Cellular radio <laughs> telephony. Yeah, we got Brian Bell over there. <laughs> are those some, are those some uh, distant relatives? Yeah, that's my, that's my, yeah, my ancestors. Yeah, that's your tribe there. All right, there you go. Second cousin twice removed. Yeah. yeah. That's, Cellular, why broad, that's why I'm broadcasting today. That's it. We got it. Cellular radio telephony with a call handoff and frequency reuse was conceived at Bell Laboratories. Bell Telephone Laboratories was just that name until 1984 when it became. Can you guess what it became? Uh, I should know this. <laughs> it wasn't Bell South. It was Ma Bell. I mean, it was. Um, geez. Uh, it, it became Southern Bell or Bell South or whatever, but I can't remember what the original was. I remember when they broke it up. Montgomery Bell. 1984, it became. AT&T Bell Laboratories. Mm. And today, it's called Nokia Bell Labs. 1954. This one really surprised me. Texas Instruments produced the first commercial transistor radio. The calculator people. Yeah, they launched us into the portable electronic age. First transistor radio. Texas Instruments. Hmm. I mean, Are they even around anymore? They still make they still make uh, calculators. Still making calculators. Oh yeah, okay, absolutely. And they make the ones that I can't use. I don't know. Got <laughs> <how you> <laughs> symbols on them. I don't recognize. From I don't that. recognize. <laughs> you know, the aunts goes into the knots, and that's about mm-hmm. all I got. So. All right, April third, nineteen seventy three. Anybody know what happened? April third, nineteen seventy three. April 3rd, 1973. Wasn't, uh, we may no. have listeners out there going, I know exactly what happened. <laughs> I don't know. They may not. 
I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's the end of uh, it's the end of Vietnam. We pulled out of Vietnam, but I'm thinking it might have been earlier than that. Well, April 3rd, 1973, a gentleman named Martin Cooper was a Motorola employee, and he publicly demonstrated the first handheld mobile phone. And he called Joel Engel. Engel was the head of research at AT&T mm. Bell Labs, which it was not called AT&T at that time, but it was AT&T Bell Labs. Cooper and Engel were rivals. Oh, that's showing off. And they <laughs> there were rivals to see who could make the first mobile phone call. Cooper won, and he called him to rub it in. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> that's, that's showing off right there. I win. I win. <laughs> oh, it's the, impressive, though. 73? Yeah, 73. All right. How much did those things weigh? The first handheld cell phone weighed how much? Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, three pounds. 2.4. You're close. It was nine inches by five inches by an inch and three quarters in size. Now, take a look at your phone that you have. Look at that, no. at that and go, wait a minute. <laughs> we have come a long way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of you guys are out there listening on a phone that's way smaller than that. And and you also have a screen. It's a touch screen. That, that right. wasn't even thought of. Like that. that's, that's literally a brick. Absolutely, it was a brick. You remember those ones that used to have in the cars that had to be plugged into the cars and it was yes. a bag. You had a, it was a bag. Yes. You had to carry the bag around with you. So well, you remember at one point in time, they actually installed the antenna to the car. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you had to have the antenna to the car. Yes. Digital cellular networks, they show up in the 1990s. 2G was launched in 1991. It was 10 years later before 3G, 3G was launched. And by 2009, it was clear that 3G networks would be overwhelmed with streaming media. Now, most of us today, most, if you've got a newer phone, you have 5G. Mm-hmm. If it's available. It, you know, if it's available where you are. And most of us have 5G. And the 3G could not handle all the streaming and everything that was coming at it. That was, in, that was just in 2009. Guys, we're talking about 12 years ago. Right. 12 years ago. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure my first phone was a Nokia. Yeah, yeah. Sure. mine was. I think so, too. Mine was definitely a Nokia. It was definitely 100 bucks and a snake game on it. I, I remember, I remember the first one I got it. Was, I got one of the first digital, yeah, I paid like extra for that. Yeah, mm. remember, I had to call call me after nine, it's free. Yeah, my, my wife and I, we've been married 25 years. We, I remember us getting our first cell phone, it was just for emergency uses because it you know it cost per minute. Yeah. Every minute you use 35 cents a minute. <laughs> can't go over that data, man. You can't break that data line. <laughs> you know, texting wasn't a thing at that point. Mm-mm. So it was like, oh, you, know, you call somebody. You remember when you do it, you your first make that first phone call. Hey, I'm talking to you on a cellular phone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember handing my little Nokia because, you know, it was small. But I remember handing it to my dad uh, and he was trying to talk to probably my mom. And he would he would take the phone from his ear. He would he put it to his ear and then down to his mouth and then up to his ear and down to his mouth like that. You don't you don't have to do that. Just hold, they can hear you. Just hold it to your ear. You're just fine, man. Everything's cool. <laughs> oh, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah. It's that, the uh, the Will Ferrell. You've seen the Will Ferrell skit 
on a Saturday Night Live, but he has a little a little microphone, right? Yeah. And he's going back yeah, and forth. Going back and, and forth. The, yeah, it's hilarious. I love it. Good stuff. <laughs> Podcasting. Podcasting was known as audio blogging. Mm-hmm. Any, any idea when audio blogging started? Mm. I'm gonna go 07. 1980s. Oh, oh wow. Audio wow, blog started in the 1980s. Podcasting really began to catch on in 2004. In 2005, Apple added podcasting to the iTunes music software and started building a directory of podcasts in its iTunes music store. The same year, former President G.W. Bush became a podcaster. Kind of. Kind of. The, web, the White House website added the RSS 2.0 feed to the president's weekly radio addresses. So old G-Dub was a podcaster back then. Didn't hmm, even nice. He probably had no clue he was a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> also in 2005, after a year of tracking the word podcast on Google search engine, they found more than 100 million hits on the word podcast. Hmm. On December 3rd, 2005, podcast was named the word of the year by New Oxford American Dictionary and would be in the dictionary in 2006. Mm. Boom. Podcasting was born. Awesome. So the industry has continued to grow in what it is today. And according to podcastinsights.com, there are over 2 million podcasts and over 48 million episodes. They also report that 50% of all homes are podcast fans. That's over 60 million homes. Wow. All right, I'm going to go a little statistics for you. 75% of the U.S. population is familiar with the term podcast. What's that other 25% doing? Yeah, they're hiding. <laughs> or, they're, or they're an older group that doesn't think about it. I mean, uh, it's my parents. They're in East Tennessee uh, going, you know, Senior center playing bingo or whatever. And What's the there's no a what? Right. Is that a bean? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> is that for gardeners? Like what is it? <laughs> 55%, 155 million of the US population has listened to a podcast. 37%, that's 104 million people, mm. listened to a podcast in the last month. All right. So 24%, 68 million people listen to podcasts weekly. 16 million people in the U.S. are avid podcast fans. So who do you think listens to podcasts more, males or females? I, I'm going to go males. Males. Just based on my circle of, of friends, I'm going to go males. I think males. You are correct. But guess what? By a slim margin, 51% really? of podcast listeners are males. Still winning. Still, still <laughs> 45% of monthly podcast listeners have household income of over 75,000. 27% of U.S. podcast listeners have a four-year college degree. The age of monthly podcast listeners, the 12 to 24 year, uh, 12 to 34 year olds, 48% listen to podcasts. 12 to 34. Yeah. Okay. 35 to 54, 32%. 55 plus 20% of, of those people listen to podcasts. 49% of podcast listening is done at home. So that leaves 51% is done somewhere else. I, I was right. shocked by that. I was shocked by that. 
49% of the listings done at home. I yeah. kind of thought that would be a big difference. Well, maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's skewed by the last, you know, the last Could year be. or so with everybody being at home. Could be. Yeah. So 22% listen while driving. Mm-hmm. Right. That's me. That would be the majority. I thought I, I did. I thought that would be the majority of people. We'll just put it, put it on a drive, man. I did. I thought that would be it. I really did. The podcast listeners subscribe to an average of guess how many shows in, in the last week. Podcast listeners subscribe to how many shows in the last week? Oh, like overall? Yeah, just just what do you think? Uh, I'm gonna go fifty thousand. Well, this is just like a how many shows? How many shows? It, like if uh, uh, the average podcast listener. Or oh, okay. A, a, and a, let me, I'm going to say this, an avid podcast listener subscribed to how many shows like in the last week? Nine. Six. Six. Six shows. Yep. Podcast listeners listen to an average of seven different shows per week. 80% listen to all or most of each episode. Hmm. Podcast listening on a computer went up from 29% to 31%. Smartphone listening went from 71% to 69%, which I thought was wild. 19% of listeners increased the speed, so they listen faster. <laughs> increase the speed to listen faster. 19% do that. I, when, I, when I'm doing the editing, right. I, just, I listen to us faster, and it's absolutely hilarious. I love it. It's freaking phenomenal. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. I mean, we all sound so funny. But I mean, it sounds like a chipmunk, dude. I get it out there. We're the chip months doing a podcast. I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try that next with the next <laughs> one we drop. It's awesome. Sixty-five <laughs> percent of monthly podcast listeners have been listening for less than three years, and the most popular podcasting genre is sports comedy. Mm. What'd you say? Comedy. Comedy. Number I was gonna one. say murder mystery or something. Comedy. I, you know, I, I wonder though because. I, I always thought like the, the biggest category is crime, true crime. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, people listen to true crime. My daughter is absolutely hooked on all the true crime shows. She's listening to all of us. I mean, she can tell I me. Mean, she's got her favorite one that she listens to. Man, she loves listening to true crime. And and I actually do too. I, um, I'll, give a, I'll give a shameless plug to one that I just listened to that they actually had, uh, made a television show out of Dr. Death. Because okay. it's, true, it's flipping true story about this doctor out of Texas. And man, my mouth dropped just listening to it. My mouth dropped. And when I get an episode or a podcast that you're listening to and you can make you, you know, the emotions that you hear or see, and you, my mouth just dropped on some of the things I heard. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. My admin watches or watches my admin listens to a couple of those true crime podcasts. And she was actually listening to one uh, that was talking about a story from my old neck of the woods down in Perry, Georgia. And she's like, you know where Perry, Georgia is? And I'm like, I, I know exactly where Perry, Georgia is. And she was telling me about it. And she's like, yeah, this, you know, the uh, they found the body. You know, they were trying to identify it. And, you know, it was burned. And I was like, wait, they burned somebody in Perry, Georgia? I'm like. Yeah. They weren't trying to get away with it because if, if you know that area and you know the the woods and stuff around that area, there's a there's plenty of ways to 
make somebody disappear and mm-hmm. uh and and not have evidence and she just kind of looked at me i'm like let's look at it on the map like <laughs> this area right here is wild pigs this area over here is alligators and like between the two we can make somebody disappear if we want yeah. to yeah mm-hmm. if they found it it wasn't premeditated <laughs> well, guys think about that Oh, frank conrad started podcasting back in 1919 mm, wow didn't even know he was podcasting did here we are, 100, 102 years later. <laughs> yeah, just three, just three random guys, and we can just do exactly what Frank did. Just a little, a little easier. Put it out there for everybody. It is a lot easier. Yeah, Frank probably had to have a lot more equipment than we had. <laughs> yes. And he had to be. Yes. He had to be an engineer to figure it out, know what he was doing to get it to broadcast to go up. Us, hey, hit, hit just plug it in and go. We, we, you get that app and, and you download the app and you go yeah, and, man. and hit play and record and then do all the editing and all Isn't that, that awesome? good stuff. And yes, it is. It's fantastic. It is. I just thought it was kind of interesting just to think about. You know, I love history. I love seeing where things started and how they progressed and and, and what it took to get there. And uh, who knew that the guy building cars is the one who started? You know, introduced it back in. 1893 yep. in St. Louis. I never knew that guy. Yep. That. No, he's all man. Tesla was always ahead of his time. I I would love that. And I think that's and this is a complete caveat, but I think that's one reason, you know, Elon Musk is Tesla. If you think about the mindset of how far ahead they are, yeah, and and their way of thinking, right? That's the way they, you know, Nikola Tesla was back in that day and he was seen kind of like musk is now as you know just kind of offbeat and out there but uh, i mean the guy knew his stuff yeah yeah he did i just you know i i think about you know when you started it and you were talking about the original broadcast radio broadcast when people are you know you have to set aside a time mm-hmm. right tuesday night 7 p.m we're all gathering around the radio and we're going to listen to you know war of the worlds or whatever's coming mm-hmm. on right yeah, war of the world. and and I almost get nostalgic for that, me, because I mean, if you think about it, as disconnected as we are now, uh, even though we're the most connected, you know, in history, um, you know, as far from a worldwide view, locally we're disconnected from each other. Family units are disconnected from each other, you know, because of what we can do with media. It's I get a little nostalgic to think. All right, at Tuesday, 7 p.m., the entire family is going to come around and watch this one show, you know. I know. And, uh, I know. and just, you know, and, and go that way. You can't uh, pause it. Can't pause it. You can't rewind it. <laughs> you know, commercial comes on, run to the bathroom. Yeah. Run back. Oh, what I miss? What happened? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle of modern technology. Well, there you have it, fellas. History repeating itself. The history of podcasts. Starting oh, no. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you, David. You can find us on the web at thelyingtruthpodcast.com or on social at lyingtruthpod on Instagram or Twitter. If you like what you hear and you would like to support our show, click on the link in our show notes at Buy Me a Coffee. You can make a one time donation or become a member. <laughs>